This is Dominic Keating, Malcolm Reed, Lieutenant to you at the Motor City Comic Con. Just wanted to say, uh, keep on listening to Tricks in Sci-Fi. Before we get into the main part of the this week's podcast, I wanted to put a little uh, thank you out to um, the following people, Meds, Kenny, Rick Moyer, Darren, and Joe, or Billy Bob on the forums. I put a little uh, shout out uh, on the forum in the last week or so. I've got to uh, pay for my yearly uh, website dues or fee here soon, and these guys all sent in a little donation to help pay for that and continue the uh, website and podcast costs and you know there are always uh, fees associated with these things and i i try to cover it pretty much myself but it's always great to get some donations and i do have uh donation buttons up uh, both on the forum there's also one up on the main website treksinsci-fi.com uh if you just go to donations you can just donate and kind of sponsor a show for five dollars or there's another donation button where you can submit and do whatever you'd like so uh Please, if you uh, enjoy the show and you have an extra five bucks just kind of laying there doing nothing, send it on in. Yes, welcome to Treks and Sci-Fi, everyone. This is Rico, and today is September the 14th, 2008, podcast 191 for everyone uh, tuning in again. Or if this is your first time, hey, welcome to the show. Going to have, I think, a lot of fun this week. Got a very cool set of Enterprise episodes we'll be looking at. Uh, the Mirror Universe uh, Enterprise episodes from Season 4, In a Mirror Darkly, which uh, was a very cool set of episodes. Lots of neat and fun stuff going on there, and we'll be talking about that quite a bit on today's podcast. We also have uh, the second part of Kenny's report on the Star Trek experience, uh, and, of course, another song by Mr. Moyer later in the show. So, everyone... Stay tuned, sit back, relax, and uh, let's hit it. podcast everyone like i said earlier i'm rico your host and i am thirsty did you hear that that is uh <laughs> it's sunday morning i don't know 10 o'clock and i'm drinking a uh what do we have a cherry coke eh, i just kind of felt like it something a little different while i podcast so anyway um i hope everyone's doing well and uh a couple things i wanted to say 
before we really get into it and uh, just a uh, shout out kind of to the people down in the southeast of the United States uh, with all that nasty uh, hurricane and weather and crazy things going on down there. I hope everyone's staying uh, okay and dry and uh, staying safe. It's uh, it's difficult this time of the year in that area. I, I used to have to travel to Florida a lot, and actually I was in that area one time when there was, well, the hurricane wasn't there. It had just kind of finished up, but man, it uh, it's just amazing what Mother Nature and the weather can do at times. So uh, everyone down there, I hope you're doing well, and uh, just um, stay safe. Rico has the best sci-fi and Star Trek information on the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Okay, so what's going on in the world of uh, Star Trek and sci-fi these days? Well, um, the television season is just getting rolling. I haven't uh, had a chance to catch that new J.J. Uh, Abrams project, Fringe, yet. I missed the premiere of it. Uh, forgot to set the TiVo, but I'll be watching it tonight. So I'd be curious if what people are thinking about that. Uh, you know, Send me some comments about the, the current new uh, shows that you are are enjoying in this sort of sci-fi fantasy genre to treksf at gmail.com. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, but I do have an interesting little report here to uh, to give everyone about the Trek movie. Uh, yeah, we'll have to, you know, we got to have a little commentary about that each week as much as we can. Uh, we're still months away from that uh, film coming out next May. But I thought this was rather interesting, and I found it at the... Uh, very uh, up-to-date trekmovie.com website. Uh, they have always got some nice little tidbits about the movie. And, uh, well, let me tell you what this is about. This is a, you know, they've been working on a, a new, uh, much more full and longer trailer for the film uh, quite a while now. Uh, basically, it's cut together as far as I know. They're just still working on the effects and things to slip in. Well, there's a report here about uh, that some of this was shown at a U.K. press screening, kind of a rough version of it. Uh, and I'm going to read this for you. Now, I'll have to say, I guess if you're completely a purist, I don't think there's really any spoilers here about what's going on in the movie or anything like that. Uh, there are no real details. They just kind of have a, a quick description of a couple of scenes that are shown in the trailer. But again... I really, and I'm I'm pretty much a, a spoiler-free kind of person, even for Trek, for the movie. Uh, I've tried not, I don't want to know, like, every little detail at all. So, uh, but, you know, this will take me maybe about a minute to read. So if you really are bothered, I, I think, I'm probably said too much because it really doesn't give anything away. So let me see here. What does this say? Um, this is a, was a report at ain'titcool.news or ain't it cool news.com or whatever it's the url everyone knows that one that harry knoll site uh they had a report from a uk press screening where paramount shut off portions of a number of their 2009 films and this is what they had to say about the star trek uh, part of it uh, we saw the teaser trailer and then we saw what looked to be a very very early uh, version of the full trailer it showed more footage of quinto as spock much more chris pine who's playing kirk of course and also some john cho who's sulu and simon Pegg uh, as scotty footage the film looks like immense fun and there seems to be a lot of action in it the look of the crew and the bridge is spot on and the costumes look very much like the original but with a more modern and practical twist we got to see spock talking to his parents as well as kirk being told to take more responsibility well no surprise there and uh things that we've already seen and heard lots of times over the years there was also a montage of scenes especially uh involving some spaceship battles gunfights and even some hand-to-hand -hand combat i especially like a short clip where we see the crew running through the corridors of the enterprise 
that reminded me of uh, the next generation loads. Sounds like a lot of fun, they say, and uh, they are uh, still trying to confirm when we will see this. The the talk right now is they are really trying hard to get it out before the end of 2008. You know, probably during the holiday movies, we will hopefully be able to see this uh, in, in the um, the real version up on the big screen and online, of course, of the the full uh, Star Trek trailer. And I think that would be appropriate. You know, the movie's coming out in May. I think it'll be time at that stage to uh, to have a full trailer out. And you know, again, the movie was originally going to be out in Christmas, so there should be no reason they can't put it together by then. But it's pretty exciting. I, again, every week the the kind of suspense and it builds for the movie, and uh, I know everyone listening to this podcast especially is greatly looking forward to it. Uh, uh, when uh, things get closer to that time, we'll have to figure out some really interesting and neat ways to sort of celebrate it all. I, I've been sort of uh, in the back of my mind uh, throwing around some thoughts and ideas on that, and I have a few th- things I'm thinking about right now. Thinking about? <laughs> anyway, need a little more Cherry Coke? Take a quick uh, little pause here, and I'll be right back. Do you love music? Have you found yourself saying this? You know, popular music just doesn't have enough Star Trek or sci-fi references. Well, you're in good company, and you're in luck, because now you can have your great music and geeky references all with my new Star Trek and sci-fi parody music page. Yep, that's right. I was tired of waiting around for my favorite artists to write Star Trek songs. So I borrowed their music, and I made it myself. And now you can enjoy it for free. Check out hits like Another One Becomes Us, or Life is Just a Holodeck, Ship in a Bottle, and Humans Playing Dom Jot. That's just a few. Head over to www.christrocks.com parody and treat yourself to a plethora of Star Trek and sci-fi MP3s. Inspired by Rick Dosti's Treks and Sci-Fi podcast, I have a whole page dedicated to music that every geek will love. So log on today and head to www.christrocks.com slash parody. You won't be sorry. Rock on, fellow geeks. I am Rico of Borg. Your life as it has been is over. From this time forward, you will service Treks in sci-fi. Okay, uh, welcome back. Uh, next up, I think we're going to play the uh, other part of Kenny's review and discussion and, and his comments about the Star Trek experience, which, of course, is now, uh, well, a couple of weeks has been closed. This is Kenny's, uh, the second part. I played the first part of his report. Here's the last part of it, and I'll be back after this. This is the conclusion of my final mission at Star Trek The Experience, Las Vegas. We were back on Deep Space Nine's promenade, and we decided that we'd go pick up our Borg alcove and Captain Chair pictures. And those turned out great, and I'm sure I'll post them onto the forum when I scan them in, but they're they're pretty funny. Um, and then we saw that the caricature people were not uh, busy. So uh, Harry and I decided, oh, well, we're going to get this done we got to do it. They're just perfect. I mean, no matter what it costs, they're just cool. And then our friends decided that they were going to do it. So there were two people doing caricatures, and so our friends, Kathy and Michael, did that one, and then Harry and I took another person. And I decided I wanted to be uh, Andorian because I just thought it would be a good... I wanted to be a Cardassian, but I knew Harry wanted to be a Klingon. 
and I just thought a Cardassian and a Klingon, they're too familiar looking that I wanted to be something totally different. So I made myself an Andorian and Harry was a Klingon. And this guy worked his magic in like 30 minutes and he showed us the picture and I almost died. It has to be the funniest thing (laughs) I have ever seen. And uh, if I'm able to scan it, because it's fairly large, uh, I will, but it was money well spent. Um, My friend Kathy and Mike, Mike was uh, like a James Kirk type character and Kathy, his wife, was uh, an Orion slave girl. And theirs turned out just as good as ours. That was one of our highlights of uh, our little experience, but um, it was a lot of fun. After that, we decided to split up as Mike and Kathy were hungry, so Harry and I went and started to take video of the History of the Future Museum with all the Star Trek props. And there's an awesome timeline that runs along the entire wall of the experience from beginning all the way till, I think, Nemesis. Um, so that was really cool. So we were taking pictures and video of everything. Not that we've we've taken hundreds of pictures and many hours of video previously, but you never know if you're going to miss any, and this was going to be our last opportunity to actually take pictures and video, so we took tons of stuff, and um, it's kind of sad because you're, you know, thinking, well, this is it. This is, this is what's going to, this is the last time I'm going to see this, the last time I'm going to experience it. So you're trying to take in as much as you can. Um, our behind-the-scenes tour was going to be at 4.30, so we kind of hung out in the museum area and kept taking pictures until roughly around that time. Then we headed over to the area, the staging area for the behind-the-scenes tour. Uh, our tour guide was a very knowledgeable woman. Um, she was awesome. She's been with the experience for 11 years, even though the experience has only been around 10 years, because she was hired to test out stuff. She rode the rides. She, you know, She's a avid Star Trek fan. She knows everything. She's also... Um, a Vulcan and an Andorian character. And um, I forgot to mention this, but they have actual Star Trek characters walking around the experience interacting with all of the fans and with all of the guests. So she does that on her off hours. She plays a Vulcan and an Andorian. But uh, this is her main job is behind-the-scenes tour guide. But um, we started our tour walking through the museum, and she told us details about you know the props and with this and that and like I said very knowledgeable and it was really cool and then she went to there's huge um, models of the Enterprise D uh, Klingon battlecruiser Voyager and then the original 1701 Enterprise um, giant models hanging from the ceiling and so she went into detail how they made those and how they brought them in in pieces and rebuilt them and all the fiber optics in it and like I said it was just it was very interesting time there. Uh, the sad news was that she said it would cost $2 million to remove those giant ships intact, which is kind of depressing, and you could tell she wasn't too happy. Uh, this has been most of her, you know, 10 years of her life, and now all of a sudden it's going to end in two weeks. Um, so it was kind of sad, but, you know, it's just, everything we asked her, you know, what are they going to do with this, what are they going to do with that, it costs money to deconstruct something and keep it intact. So she wasn't gonna. She didn't say this 100, percent but it sounded like they were actually just gonna destroy everything except for obviously the props, which will go back to CBS. But all the other cool ships and the Enterprise bridge and all this other stuff that they worked so hard on 
is just going to be torn down because it costs too much money to actually take it down piece by piece. So that was heart-wrenching hearing that because I'm sure anybody would love to have that next generation bridge. I mean, fully to scale bridge in their garage or something. So if anyone has $2 million and wants a awesome looking model, I would suggest contacting Star Trek The Experience. Anyways, so the tour continued. Um, she took us behind the scenes, back door, entrance. We saw some blueprints of the experience. Um, and then we got to walk onto the, the Next Generation Bridge and actually walk around it. Because on the experience itself, on the ride, you're all herded into a certain area and you got to stand there and wait. This one, she lets walk and sit, on the, sit in the captain's chair or any of the chairs. We got to walk around and touch the panels and uh, all stuff like that. So it was really cool. She showed us, you know, all the little hidden details like on Trek. How uh, Akudu, Michael Akudu, uh, he does all the panels. And he puts hidden things like, you know, there's like a duck on the Enterprise. Or there's a car in the shuttle bay. Or all these little hidden gems, which was really cool. We then continued to walk through corridors. And she explained how they were made and built. And it was just a fun experience. I think the highlight of the behind-the-scenes tours for me was the actual transporter when you're on the Klingon encounter they transport you and it's an amazing technique on how they do it but it was cool to see it so we all got on the transporter we all got in the you know shell bay waiting area which you normally do at the beginning of the ride they actually left all the lights on so you can actually see what happens and what happens is all the surrounding walls get yanked up at like 60 miles an hour and that's what causes the wind and then all of a sudden the 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 Side panels come across, the floor lights up, and next thing you know, you're standing on a transporter pad. It's a really, really awesome effect. And it was cool to see how it was done after all these years of experiencing it and not knowing. Um, So that was a lot of fun. And the other highlight of the trip was actually going to the shuttle ride. Uh, It's all done on hydraulics. So she takes you below the ride, and you're standing down there, and there's a 70-foot screen is what you're watching when you're in the shuttle. So you're standing right next to the screen, and people actually get on the shuttle, and you can hear them, and you're watching these hydraulics work. And it's just unbelievable that these little six hydraulics is what's causing the motion effects when you're actually inside the shuttle. Um, It was a cool experience. We also took us behind the business part of it. We We met the receptionist for the business end of it. We saw where they do their makeup and their costumes for the people who walk around the experience. And it was just an all-around very cool, well-worth-the-money behind-the-scenes tour of how things work. So um, that was definitely a a must-do since we hadn't done it before in all the years that we've gone. So uh, we were really happy that we did it. After the tour, we met up with our friends Michael and Kathy, and my dad was also with us. Um, and we all decided we wanted to do Quark's Bar and Restaurant. We had to eat at Quark's one last time. So uh, we, and it's been packed, I mean, line after line of, of people waiting to get in. But fortunately, we were lucky enough to, I don't know, we were on an off hour or something, but there wasn't that long of a wait. So we uh, sat down at Quark's Bar, and of course, you know, all the entire menus, all Star Trek-related items, or at least they're named after Star Trek. So we got the Holy Rings of Betazoid as an appetizer, which are just onion rings on this really cool rod that goes straight up. Uh, that was good. Um, I think I got a ham burger and 
my friend Kathy got something Picard. I don't remember the actual name of it. But anyways, it was fun. Um, and as you're sitting there, you're sitting in the middle of the experience. So you have the giant models above your head. There's TV screens all over the place playing Star Trek episodes. And I think they were doing Star Trek First Contact with us when we were sitting there. Um, and then you have the people in, in character walking around, greeting the guests, coming in, sitting down with you while you're eating and chatting and whether they're Klingon or Ferengi or Vulcan or Borg. So it's just a fun experience, a fun dining experience. And we had to do it one last time, so that was really cool. So after dinner, Mike and Kathy had to head back home, and Harry and I wanted to do one last round on both rides. So uh, we went back through the museum quickly, and we were going to get into the Borg 4D, and it was actually closed. Um, this was probably around 8, 8.30, and they closed around 9.30. So it was closed, but the Klingon Encounter was open, so we thought, oh, great, we'll at least get one more ride on the Klingon Encounter. So we did the Klingon Encounter again, and as we were getting off, uh, the attendant who was helping us said, if there's anyone who wants to get on the, the Borg Invasion 4D, there's a shortcut here because the line's open for the final ride, but we can get you there in time if you take the shortcut, so follow me. So we took the shortcut with him and he took us right back to the beginning of the line for Borg Invasion 4D and the six of us that did that got in line for that and we actually got to ride the Borg Invasion 4D one last time which was fantastic because we got, actually got to do both rides the very last ride of each ride uh, for that day so it was so much fun Star Trek The Experience is an awesome place one of a kind totally one of the best places in Las Vegas, and I'm sorry to see it go. But at least Harry and I got to geek out in that Star Trek world one last time. So anyways, Rico, that's my report on my final mission at Star Trek The Experience Las Vegas. It was a great ride, and I just want to thank everyone who made it, because you made this Star Trek fan very, very happy. So... That's it. Thanks, Rico. That's a great report, Kenny. Uh, I'll uh, forever be jealous and <laughs> forever be kicking myself that I never was able to make it there uh, during its run. And, uh, you know, I'm, maybe sometime, maybe sometime in a few years, maybe somebody uh, will create uh, something similar to that someplace else, uh, even bigger and better than before. Uh, I've heard little rumors along those lines. Uh, you know, we can all hope that, uh, you know, the movie next spring does really fantastic and, and maybe we eventually get another TV series and then, you know, Star Trek really starts to uh, be in the public eye again and we we can really um, continue getting these kinds of attractions made and built. Uh, I know there's that Star Trek The Tour thing, although that, I, I know they've had some issues. I'm not even really sure where it's at right now. You know, there was all this talk about it was going to tour all these cities around the country. It was even going to come to my neck of the woods, in, you know, in the Michigan-Detroit area. So um, I'm not sure. I'll have to look up uh, on that and see what's going on. I know they've uh, they've had some uh, financial issues with that and problems and things. But, you know, we will uh, continue to uh, get this kind of thing. You know, okay, boy, wouldn't it be great if there was, like, a Star Trek theme park built sometime or something? I mean, I, I just... Uh, I think the uh, the demand could be there, so I'm going to take a very another short short break, and we're going to come back and get right into uh, in a mirror darkly, the two parter from Enterprise.
Resistance is futile. The Borg are an amalgam of cybernetically enhanced humanoid drones of multiple species. Organized as an interconnected collective with a hive mind inhabiting a vast region of space. They operate towards one single-minded purpose. To add the biological and technological distinctiveness of other species to their own in the pursuit of perfection. They are the adversary of autonomy, the definition of slavery. They are the juggernauts of an infinite number of quadrants and parallel dimensions, including the mirror universe. Join us on the Ready Room Microcast as we read a chapter each week, or visit the Trex and Sci-Fi Forum and follow the crew of the Arabella in Season 8 of the RPG as they battle the Borg in two dimensions. The mirror universe has never been so treacherous. Yes, there's our cool little promo again for Season 8 of the Trexin Sci-Fi RPG that's going on currently on the forums. Just go over to TrexinSciFi.com. If you're not already a member, click on the forum link and sign up and register. We'd love to have you. That's a great place to hang out. I know I've said it many times before, but it really is, and the people are great. And the RPG game is just a lot of fun. If you know, If you've ever really felt like doing a little writing, nothing fancy, you know, everyone there will be very helpful, and, you know, you can do joint posts and all kinds of uh, good stuff. The, it's just a lot of fun to sort of create your own little character in the Star Trek universe and, and write uh, in the uh, story that we've got going on right now. So uh, check it out uh, if you're hankering to do uh, a little bit of Trek writing. Uh, it's just a lot of fun. What you just heard there, uh, for those that aren't familiar with it perhaps, that is the uh, opening theme music that they used for the set of Mirror Universe episodes that they did for Enterprise called In a Mirror Darkly, which we're going to be talking about now for, well, pretty much for the rest of today's podcast. They, uh, This is a real interesting set of episodes, and let me just uh, kind of break it down. Uh, they were written by Mike Sussman, uh, directed by a guy named James Conway. 
and they were first aired back in April of 2005, so about, well, three and a half years now or so uh, since these were aired, Uh, and there's just so many things to talk about and so many cool aspects to these two episodes. Uh, Well, we'll uh, try to cover that for you Uh, the uh, the basic idea here is is they want to do a, they wanted to do <laughs> uh, there there we go just my one little goofy flub up there or hopefully one uh, they wanted to do a mirror universe story uh, revolving around the the crew of the Enterprise of course uh, on the on the series Enterprise now everyone knows and you know all Trek fans know that the first time uh, in Star Trek history that they really had contact with the mirror universe happened with Kirk, you know, when uh, they went through uh, in the second season of the original series, uh, Mirror Mirror, the classic, uh, you know, Trek episode everyone's seen, you know, with all the funky little uniforms they wore and all that stuff. Anyway, so that was a a sort of a dual universe story where there were parts of it in the Mirror Universe and parts of it in our universe, I guess is what you could say. Now, uh, of course, that led the Federation and Kirk and all of them. They they learned about the this parallel dimension, this mirror universe at that time. Well, the way they got around this, and I thought it was kind of a cool idea on Enterprise, is that they basically just set a mirror universe story uh, for the whole two episodes. There were no parts, and this was the first time it was ever done. You know, Deep Space Nine did several mirror, mirror universe tales. This was the first time, you know, in Star Trek that they'd ever had had done a complete mirror universe story. You never see any of the crew back on the, you know, their own ship. There's no interaction between the mirror universe and the, the normal universe, we'll call it. So uh, they just started it out right through the be- very beginning of the episode, which actually starts out with a little bit of the uh, movie First Contact and, and how history has changed in the Mirror Universe. That's how they began, and they just completely, for the two-parter, did everything in the Mirror Universe. Now, there are aspects and things that happen that relate back to the, we'll again call it the normal universe, but the, again, there's no real direct contact between the two, so it doesn't really violate you know any Star Trek canon and history and everything that's gone on there. So they were... Pretty slick the way they did that, I thought, and uh, they created this whole new set of credits, and that's the music you heard there was the, the what they used during the credit sequence, and they basically took the Enterprise sequence and altered it and made it more warlike and used different scenes of, of tanks and submarines and planes bombing things and starships uh, shooting other species ships and having this big war because basically there's the whole... Um, Empire is fighting this sort of rebel alliance uh, in the Mirror Universe at the time of the Enterprise era and crew. And that's what's going on, and that's where we find uh, our crew that we know, the Enterprise crew, in a very different situation and state. And uh, again, in a Mirror Universe story, the the actors, and they really get to have a lot of fun, and there's just tons of that going on here. So we're going to break it down and kind of go through the episodes, both parts, I've got several clips to play for you, and uh, I think uh, that covers my basic, you know, get everything set up for you. Uh, I am playing right now the first part of this in the little uh, Flash Player Theater on the forum, so if you sign up there, you'll be able to view that. Part one is up now of In a Mirror Darkly, which is actually the title of the episode came as as from a uh, quote uh, from the Bible. Uh, and uh, is where they've got it. And I think somewhere I have up on my screen here, let me see if I can find it. Uh, Excuse my uh, 
searching here as I roll my scroll bar down. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, it says the title of the episode comes from a passage in the Bible. Uh, let's see, Corinthians. For now we see in a mirror darkly, but then face uh, to face. Now I know part. Sorry, I now I now know in part, but then shall I know fully, even as I also was fully known. Well, the the same verse from the King James Bible, uh, which is also goes by. For now we see through a glass darkly. That's quoted by uh, Picard, actually, in Nemesis. So uh, this is where they got the name of it, and, and I think it really suits it well, because this is a pretty dark set of episodes. The the crew in the Mirror Universe, the Enterprise crew, is pretty nasty, of course, since it is the, you know, kind of, you don't want to really call it the opposite of uh, the normal universe, but it's a much darker and, and uh, more brutal place. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, let's play the first clip. This is... Uh, uh, Part of uh, the first episode, obviously, and uh, this is, I think, a discussion between Admiral Forrest, played by Vaughn Armstrong, gets to do a lot in the, especially in the first part of the two-parter here, and he does a great job. He's actually in command of the Enterprise in the Mirror Universe, and Archer is just his first officer, which I thought was a really cool idea and a neat, you know, a neat little thing to throw in. You know, you don't just to see Archer in command. He is second in command, and that allows them to do some things like uh, what we know from the Mirror Universe about, you know, kind of getting rid of your superiors to sort of move up in rank. So uh, let's play the first clip, and you'll learn a little bit about what Archer uh, has in mind for what they should be doing uh, in the Mirror Universe. Not going into Tholian space based on data from some anonymous source. Maybe you haven't heard, but we have a rebellion to put down, and the Tholians aren't part of it. You saw the data. This technology would give us a tactical advantage. We get in the war tomorrow. You see, this is your big chance, don't you? Sir, you bring that ship home and you'll be a hero. Emperor pins a medal on your chest. You might even get that command you've always wanted. My only concern is saving the Empire. Resume your station. Captain, you're making a mistake. of that Tellerite. Which do you prefer? Understood. So it's just real clear from the beginning of this that this is not a a nice place. Archer and uh, their Admiral Forrest uh, are really at odds with each other. Actually, he's called, excuse me, Captain Forrest in the Mirror Universe. He's not an admiral. He's captain of the Enterprise. And, you know, Archer basically has gotten this information that there's this advanced uh, ship, this advanced starship that the Tholians have captured, and his information shows that it's pretty powerful, and he is suggesting that they sort of go after it. And uh, the Empire is really getting beaten down by this uh, rebel alliance of ships, Vulcans, and other races that they've been sort of put under their thumb over the years. The Empire has tried to conquer, and now they're sort of fighting back. And Let me go back just a little bit, though, into, uh, you know, at the very beginning of this, the, the neat thing that they how they started off the whole change in history and the way things in the mirror universe are different is when, uh, in first contact, when Zephyr Cochran first has uh, contact with the Vulcans when they come to Earth and land there, rather than, you know, hey, let's shake hands, let's go listen to some music on the jukebox and have a few drinks, 
he uh, they shoot the Vulcans, take over their ship, learn their technology, and sort of conquer them. Uh, now they, you have to kind of accept a couple of things that that when you think about it, don't really kind of add up. You know, if Earth is 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 technologically backwards and uh, inferior to the Vulcans, then then how do they eventually you know get get access and control of all these ships and eventually conquer the Vulcans. Now, you could sort of say that, well, maybe they sort of palled up with them for a while, and then at the, when they were able to uh, take over their ships and, and make their own vessels that could take over Vulcan and conquer them, that they that's what they did. Because you remember in the Mirror Universe, too, for another factor is that the Vulcans are not really as opposite as the humans are. You know, the Vulcans are still fairly logical and their emotions shine through a little bit more uh, in you know in this case to Paul in this in this set of episodes they de- that definitely happens a, a bit more, but uh, you know they're not as brutal obviously as the humans are, which uh, you know I guess that that uh, is just the way they set it up you know it's never it's always really and I think I may have mentioned this before when I've covered mirror universe episodes like on Deep Space Nine. It's not really an opposite universe. It's just a parallel and different one. So, um, so anyway, that that whole situation, I had just a little bit of an issue with, like how you know they just relatively make it easy. You know, the Empire takes in, you know, can you know takes over, conquers all these races and so forth. Now, of course, they kind of have to do that. They don't really want to spend a lot of time talking about that or showing you how all that happened. You just sort of have to take that as a as a given. So. Uh, that uh, is one little thing that I always was thinking about when I watched these. But it's a great set of episodes, and as we go through it, I think you'll uh, you'll see that. And, uh, you know, you're probably already familiar with them. I think most people have seen these, or if they haven't, you should, because these are probably a couple of the best Enterprise episodes, I, I think, that are out there, and especially in Part 2, where you get to see a lot of TOS stuff. For TOS fans, it's, it's just great, so... Uh, let's go into another clip here. This one I have labeled as uh, like Enterprise Mirror 1-2 Archer to Paul. So this is, I think, a scene early in the first part uh, between T'Pol and Archer who are uh, quite a bit at odds with each other throughout this because, of course, she's a Vulcan. They've conquered Vulcan, but she's still there on the Enterprise sort of serving under him, uh, and she's not, you know, super happy about that. You are in command. Well, I can agree on something. You recognize this? Belonged to Zephram Cochran. He used it to kill the first Vulcan who stepped onto Terran soil. I wonder how history would have played out if Cochran hadn't turned the tables on your invasion force. Humans might be your slaves instead of the other way around. I'm not a slave. You're Vulcan. Never forget that. How long until we cross into Tholian space? It's likely we already have. They frequently annex systems outside their core territory. There's a warp signature encoded on this. Notify me the moment you find it. There's nothing further. There is. I'm promoting you to first officer. Major Reed's next in line. He won't be pleased. Reed is a capable soldier, but he has trouble following orders. And I know he has ambitions of his own. You've made it clear you don't approve of Vulcans. Maybe this is my way of saying thank you to you and your people. Without Vulcan technology, the Empire wouldn't be where it is today. Dismissed. 
Yeah, so there's an acknowledgement that they, you know, they did get a lot from the Vulcans, and uh, it, it's interesting. Uh, Archer wants to put her into uh, the first officer spot just below him because he doesn't trust uh, Malcolm, who's kind of nasty uh, in this universe. Uh, being a security officer, he gets to have a lot of fun. They have they have the uh, the agony booth and all that. Uh, it, it's just uh, really neat to see this alternate version of everything. You know, there, there was talk, uh, and people have said over the years, that it might be kind of fun if Star Trek had a, you know, they did a Mirror Universe uh, series. You know, the whole series was basically Mirror Universe, or maybe they flop between the two occasionally and jump back into the normal one. I, I don't know if that would work or not. I mean, they're, it's fun once in a while, but week after week to see how, you know, nasty and mean they are to each other, I don't, I don't know if that would really fly. I think what makes it fun is we're used to them being so upstanding and good and normal and then you get to see this sort of vicious nasty side and flocks especially in this i don't think i got a lot of clips with him but he is uh for a doctor he, he you know he's dissecting these creatures in his um you know in sick bay and and he, and he enjoys uh you know i guess he he cures things in people but he also seems to enjoy inflicting a little pain and suffering as well so uh he gets to have a lot of fun in this one as well so uh, let's next up, we have a, a, a scene tripping to Paul here in engineering, and there's sort of a little relationship still going on between them in the mirror universe as well. And Trip gets to have a lot of fun here because he's got this like scar on his face in this episode uh, from some Delta radiation working in engineering for so long, uh, which makes him just look, you know, probably even meaner and, and nastier than he would if they didn't do that. So that was a cool thing to do. And here is their scene. Well, you're his first officer. You can talk to him for me. Why would I do that? I did you a favor once. Agreed never to discuss that. And I haven't. How'd they call it a favor? You enjoyed yourself. Several times, as I recall. So how many years is it until your bonfire comes around again? Where the hell's that come from? a day. You have six hours. There are dozens of EPS feeds on this deck, and the only one that overloads is the one connected to the cloaking device. The power search disabled other systems. Internal sensors are down. We've lost grab plating on G-deck. The cloak is your first priority. Someone's responsible for what happened. Find out who. My people can investigate this. I don't need his kind crawling around, pulling relays. Get the cloak online. Yeah, so that's an, uh, <laughs> oh, another flip. That's a fun scene there, the uh, between Trip and Paul and uh, the Pon Far talk and all that. And and then he, what he's working on there in engineering is they've gotten this cloaking device to head towards and in through Tholian space, and and Trip's been trying to hook it up and get it to work in engineering and. Uh, they had a little sabotage, a little bit of a problem with it. Uh, uh, next up, let's move along because we've got a lot of clips to cover here. Uh, the next one, this is a briefing. This is kind of important, so I, this one's about two minutes long, this clip. This will explain a little bit about what Archer knows and has learned uh, about this uh, Starfleet vessel that they're going after in uh, Tholian space. A parallel universe. 
perhaps. The science directorate has examined all these theories. They've found no evidence of alternate realities. The Tholians are a little more open-minded than your people. They detonated a tricobalt warhead. Here, inside the gravity well of a dead star. The explosion created an interphasic rift, a doorway into another universe. A doorway. The rift was unstable. It was too dangerous to send one of their own ships through. So they transmitted a distress call into the opening, hoping to lure a ship from the other side. Their plan worked brilliantly. How did you learn all this? The Tholians rely on outside laborers, humanoids. Some of them can be bought for the right price. I hope you didn't pay too much. My contact transmitted these images before his signal was jammed. You can barely see anything. Computer, enhance grid 3 alpha. An Earth ship. According to some theories, everything that exists in our universe should also exist there. Another Terran Empire? Another Starfleet? So what? How does this help us? The Tholians quantum dated a piece of the hull. The ship is not only from another universe, it's from another time. About a hundred years into the future. Imagine the technology we can find on that ship. New tactical systems. Advanced bioweapons. Engines that can reach speeds we can only dream of. All of it ours for the taking. This is ludicrous, Captain. Someone has fabricated this evidence to lure us here. Commander Archer is guilty of assault and mutiny. That's enough, Commander. Sir, I believe we should... I said shut up! We're investigating this! Get that cloaking device working. Yeah, even though Archer uh, does take over for a while, um, the captain... uh, Captain uh, Forrest, sorry. Oh, blanked out for a second there. Captain Forrest gets back out, and uh, he's been sort of ordered to go along with Archer's plan. Well, they eventually make their way to uh, the base that this Tholian, uh, the Tholians have captured uh, this vessel, which, of course, is the Defiant. This is the USS Defiant from the episode The Tholian Wed of the... Uh, <laughs> uh, Rico can't talk today. <laughs> Excuse me. This is the the Defiant from the Tholian Web from the original uh, series, and they really did a great job of kind of tying all this stuff stuff together because there was this interphasic area of space in that episode, and the Defiant slipped through into a parallel dimension, parallel universe. Now, they never made a point out of saying, like, where did it go to? But, well, here it is. It ends up both in the past and in the mirror universe. The Tholians get hold of the ship. Of course, its technology is much more advanced than theirs, and they've been kind of studying it on this base. Well, the Enterprise is uh, heads there, cloaked, and uh, manages to transport Archer and, and a group of his uh, aboard the Defiant, while the Enterprise itself is sort of protecting them. And well, the Tholians find out what's going on and attack, and that leads us to the next clip where the Enterprise is getting pummeled pretty badly while Archer, Paul, and the rest are aboard the Defiant trying to get that ship up and going. This is the captain. All hands to escape pods. Abandon ship. You heard my order. What do you think you're doing? 
going? I'll buy you as much time as I can. and engines online. I'll see what I can do. Give me a hand with it. Okay, that ended the first part of Intermirror Darkly. The uh, first part ended in sort of a, um, you know, the Enterprise was destroyed, a forest was killed on there, the escape pods were jettisoned, and Archer and Paul, like I said, and uh, Tucker and everyone are aboard the Defiant and trying to get that up and going. Of course, they eventually are pretty quickly able to uh, learn enough about its systems and get it up and, and functioning enough to escape. Uh, out of the Tholian's little trap there, their weapons and shields and everything are much superior uh, to what the Tholians can, you know, throw at them to try to stop them so they get away. The next clip, this one is uh, a scene between Archer and T'Pol, of course. She kind of betrayed him when she uh, freed Captain Forrest, and he's not uh, been all that happy about that situation. I should shoot you for betraying me. The orders giving you command of Enterprise were obviously fabricated. It was my duty as a Starfleet officer to help Captain Forrest regain control of his ship. You swore your loyalty to me. You should be aware Captain Forrest ordered me to kill you. Why are you telling me this? Forrest is dead. His orders are no longer valid. You are my commanding officer. go back and mention a couple things I didn't yet. Uh, one is, one other thing you get to see in this episode, not only do they show the Tholian ships, and you know, before um, the Enterprise escape, the, they try to web the uh, web the Enterprise, or I'm sorry, before the Define escapes, they, they web up the Enterprise and you get to see some cool effects there. But you get to see a Tholian, you know, they capture a Tholian at one point and they're kind of torturing it and it's this crystalline kind of entity uh, and it has the, like six legs, and they have it in this little chamber with, of course, they like high temperature, and they're kind of lowering the temperature to kind of control it, and it emits this signal, which which is 
kind of gives them away a little bit. But that was kind of neat. You get to see a, a full Tholian creature for the first time. And later in this second part, you get to see a Gorn, a CGI animated Gorn, which... I'm not really sure why they felt like they needed to change the way the look uh, of the Gorn was for a marina. You know, they could have built another suit kind of similar to that. I guess maybe that would have been a little more involved and maybe costly. I don't know, versus CGI. CGI is not cheap either, but I'm not really sure why they decided to go that way. They made him a little skinnier, and uh, I suppose you could say that just like human beings, Gorn could come in different shapes and sizes. So I guess you can get around that situation so that you get to, to uh, see also. And, of course, the big thing that you really get to see and that, that they built specifically for this this set of episodes is you get to see uh, not only a fully realized bridge, original series bridge again, the Bridge of the Defiant, but you get to see different areas, different sections of the Defiant corridors a lot, uh, and, and lots of things that uh, we hadn't had a chance to see since you know the original series. Yeah, they used uh, just a little bit for the bridge, like the helm council and the captain's chair. I think they grabbed from a museum exhibit. Uh, but basically the whole thing was built um, for, again, the first time uh, a original series bridge was on the Paramount sound stages since the late 60s. So that was very cool. You know, they did some uh, episodes both in Deep Space Nine and in TNG that set uh, them on the bridge you know, they did that Relics one from TNG and, of course, uh, the Tribbles episodes that they, uh, they covered in Deep Space Nine. But they never really had to build a whole bridge again. And they do that for this. And they do a great job. It looks fantastic. It's slightly different than the original series bridge. They made a few little modifications to it. But that's okay, you know, because if you remember back uh, for the TOS fans and experts out there, Whenever they showed, uh, a, a, you know, occasionally they showed another starship's bridge, they made slight modifications to it. The chairs sometimes for the captains were a little different uh, and that kind of thing. So it's okay that the Defiant doesn't look dead on exactly like the original uh, Enterprise bridge did from TOS. But they do a, a fantastic job. The sound effects they put in, uh, they've got the scanner there and the helm console and Spock scanner to Paul looks in several times. So you really get to see a lot of neat things. And, of course, the costumes. They uh, they all got to uh, pretty much wear the original series costumes in this episode. Of Not only do you get to see these uh, sort of mere universe uni- uh, costumes where the women are walking around in these bare midriff outfits on the Enterprise, Hoshi and T'Pol are, but then you later on you get to see them in original series. You know, Archer pulls out sort of one of those wraparound tunics that Kirk wore. Uh, later in the series, and uh, like I said, T'Pol is wearing a little uh, one of the little blue uh, science uniforms, a little miniskirt job in, in, in various scenes in the second part, and, and all kinds of fun things. And they even created a special insignia for the Defiant crew uh, in this episode as well, which was neat, because in the original series, of course, all the ships, uh, the various ships, you know, that, you know, other than the Enterprise, they didn't all use the same little uniform insignia like, you know, what they eventually did later on in TNG and other Trek series where everyone kind of had a uniform insignia. The ships back then had individual ones, and they did that. And they, they really paid attention to uh, detail in this episode. You know, when they find various crew members on the bridge of the Defiant and in other areas, they position them just like they were in the Tholian web, you know, when Kirk comes aboard and tries to uh, to see what's going on with that ship and eventually gets lost and everything. So... Just lots of cool stuff to see in this. And there's some props that they use, communicators, phasers from the original series. 
they're not really from the original series. I mean, they're that style. You get to see that style. Actually, the phaser that Archer picks up uh, from one of the crewmen that they find on the uh, floor in one of the corridors on the Defiant, that phaser is just a cheap old $20 Art Asylum plastic phaser that they stuck a little piece of Velcro to so he could clip it to his belt. Uh, it's not anything fancy. They didn't build it special for this episode. They just grabbed the toy and used it, and it, it looks pretty good on screen. I mean, it, it, they get away with that because that's a very nice piece for the money, and uh, for quick shots uh, during the episode, there's no problem in using that. Uh, they do a good job. So let's get back into I just wanted to kind of digress for a minute and tell you about some of that and some of the cool things you get to see here. And uh, I was just, you know, when I first heard about they were going to do this, Months before the episodes came out, they started to show pictures in various uh, magazines and online, I think, uh, about uh, the bridge they were recreating of the Defiant. And I was just like, oh, my God, you know, we're going to get to see an original series bridge again. And uh, if you go over to um, – I'll just throw it out here now. I'll put this in the podcast notes. But if you go over to the um, Memory Alpha, which is a great Star Trek and encyclopedia online and search for in a mirror darkly they have a cool shot of the bridge there uh, on the sound stage you'll see along with a lot of other still shots from this episode so check that out i'll put that link in the podcast notes uh the next clip let's get back to that this here is a scene uh in a clip between hoshi and archer now hoshi of course is uh she's kind of like the captain's woman in these episodes first she is captain forrest's woman aboard the enterprise and eventually she of course when forrest goes away uh, she becomes the captain uh captain's woman for captain archer you know uh there was a there's i guess some comments in the season four dvd set where uh the actors said this set of episodes put the put the ho in hoshi for these because she's uh (laughs) she'll sleep around she'll do whatever she has to do to to uh keep her career uh, going and to advance uh, in in Starfleet in these episodes. So here is a scene between Hoshi and Archer aboard uh, the Defiant. Instead of building an empire, Earth became part of an interspecies alliance. The United Federation of Planets? More like a federation of fools. What about us? Do we exist in this universe? Computer... Access biographical file. Starfleet officer Hoshi Sato. Working. Hoshi Sato. Comm officer on Starfleet's first Warp 5 ship. In her late 30s, she created the Lingua Code Translation Matrix. At least she was remembered for something. I can tell you who she married. It even says how you die. Stop. I don't want to know. But this isn't you. I don't care. Computer. Display file on Starfleet officer Jonathan Archer. Working. (laughs) Oh. Son of famed warp specialist Henry Archer. Jonathan was appointed captain of Starfleet's first Warp 5 ship. His name is among the most recognized in the Federation. He earned an impressive list of commendations during his career. Historians called him the greatest explorer of the 22nd century. 
Two planets were named after him. Hey! There's nothing great about that man. He sold out Earth's future to a group of subhuman species. Great men are not peacemakers. Great men are conquerors. Forget about him. Your future is just beginning. Yeah, so there they're going through all the files they find of the Defiant uh, about, uh, you know, the the normal universe uh, versions of themselves, and they learn some things there that, you know, Archer isn't really too happy about. I'll have to say one thing here, and I don't mean to be really negative that much, but I, I really like Scott Bakula. I think he did a great job on Enterprise, loved him on Quantum Leap, but... In this episode, especially part two, I think, he just kind of goes a little overboard. You know, there, there's being nasty and evil, and then there's kind of almost, I hate to say, you know, overacting. But that scene, especially when I was watching this again and getting these clips, it just seemed a little too forced or something. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know what people think or agree with that. I know... Uh, I've heard different things about what people thought of him as Archer, but again, I, I think he does a great job uh, in you know the the av- you know regular episodes we'll say, but in this one I and and then they get into and I think there might be a little bit of this in one of the clips still I've got to play, but they got into in the second part where he starts to see sort of um, see things. He sees himself talking to himself. In other words he almost looks like he's a little insane and has this sort of split personality. I'm not really quite sure why they felt they had to throw that in or why they needed or wanted to put that into. Maybe it was to show how, you know, he was really off the deep end and and, and to explain a little bit about some of the things he does. I don't know if they really needed to do that. I mean, he's the nasty mirror universe Captain Archer. Uh, I I don't know why they felt that they needed to throw in this alter ego situation and and have him kind of talking to himself. Uh, it, It just... I don't know. Not really sure why they did that. The only thing I could was thinking about at one point uh, when I was watching was, you know, of course, when the episode The Tholian Web and when the Enterprise was near that area of space with that uh, going on there, they started to sort of go a little insane and that area of space started to affect them. And, you know, Dr. McCoy had to work on this antidote because they wanted to stick around to save Captain Kirk and bring him back and all that. But, of course, the Enterprise here... Sorry, not the Enterprise, but the Defiant the um, that Archer captures leaves that whole area of space. So I don't really under you know they don't really mention that at all, and I don't think that was their intention for why he's a little off the deep end. But you don't see that in part one at all. You only see it in part two. So who knows? Not a big deal. Um, oh, want to uh, get to the next clip here? Uh, there's an, another admiral that they run into that's in command of another uh, starship, the Avenger, uh, and he's played by this uh, actor Gregory. Eitzen, Eitzen, he uh, was the president in the last season or two of that uh, TV show 24. He also guested on Deep Space Nine. He plays Admiral Black, and uh, he is uh, brought aboard the Defiant, and there's a little scene between him and Archer. So listen to this clip. Our most impressive vessel, Commander. With the technology on this ship at our disposal, the Rebels won't stand a chance. Glad you agree, sir. I intend to recommend that you get your own command at the earliest opportunity. Respectfully, sir, you have the authority to grant a battlefield promotion. Unfortunately, we don't have a ship to give you at the moment. The Defiant. I'm sure the Fleet Admiral has other plans for this ship. 
They're never going to give you Once these ships. The you know Earth, that. They'll tear it apart. Try to learn its secrets. Our if you're lucky, you'll end up commanding a moon shuttle. Don't you see what the Admiral's planning? He's going to present this ship to the Emperor himself. He'll take all the credit, and you'll end up in a historical footnote. the course of the war. The people of the Earth are in your debt, Commander. That's Captain. You're relieved, Admiral. Yeah, so there you heard a little bit about uh, between Archer and his little alter ego there trying to egg him on, who eventually phasers and vaporizes up Admiral Black and uh, takes over. Now, uh, the, the thing that's going on here behind the scenes a little bit is DePaul has sort of learned through the databanks, and she talks to Flocks about it and other people uh, throughout this episode. Uh, she learns a little bit about the Federation and the normal universe, and she likes that idea. And she is working to sort of sabotage the Defiant and, and either destroy it or take it over. Uh, she is discovered. And the next clip here I'm going to play here in a second for you is just a quick clip and scene between T'Pol and Archer once more. Who are you working with? I hope you're prepared to die. My death will change nothing. You will not prevail. The Defiant will prevail. It's simply a matter of firepower. The Federation is our future. You're mistaking our universe for someone else's. It may take centuries, but humanity will pay for its arrogance. They get uh, control back of the Defiant. Uh, actually, Phlox was the one who tried to sabotage things, and he's discovered uh, Trip uh, knocks him out, and then uh, he gets the Defiant uh, back uh, its power and systems as the Avenger is out there trying to take them out. Uh, and then uh, I've got just two clips left to play for you. This next one here is mostly action and and things, but it's kind of fun, and this is the uh, the Defiant getting its systems back online and going after the uh, Avenger. Primary systems are coming back. We have shields. Raise them! To all the flocks. Their power grid's being restored. What's happening? Doctor? Respond! Weapons are online. Destroy them! They've taken heavy damage. They're trying to escape. Photon torpedoes. Lock onto their reactor. Okay, just one last clip to play for you, and we'll wrap this up. Uh, this next one, uh, there's a very interesting twist at the end of this, and they, uh, I was actually surprised when I saw it for the first time. Uh, Hoshi, 
the Ho back in Hoshi is uh, <laughs> sort of celebrating with Archer in his quarters. And uh, they're drinking this champagne, and he kind of pours it over his face. And after that, he starts to sort of fall on the ground in pain. And uh, Travis walks in, and, uh, <laughs> well, Hoshi's poisoned him. She is nasty, little Hoshi in this universe, and she's poisoned Archer, kills him, and uh, takes over. Takes command and control of the Defiant and heads to Earth. And uh, she is now sort of <laughs> declared herself Empress of the Empire. So listen to this last clip, and I'll come back and uh, wrap up my thoughts on this uh, cool set of episodes. Open a channel to Fleet Admiral Gardner. Channel open. This is the Starship Defiant. If you don't surrender immediately, we'll begin targeting your cities. Respond. Where's Archer? Who the hell are you? You're speaking with Empress Sato. Prepare to receive instructions. So that's the last clip I have for you from uh, the two-part uh, set of episodes Intermare Darkly from Enterprise. Empress Sato is in command of the Defiant, and that's the where they that's where they left things. Now, if Enterprise had continued, I think there was some talk and some thoughts that they would go back and do another uh, sort of follow up to this and, and show how things were. It uh, it's kind of unfortunate they never got a chance to do that because I always thought that's kind of left. You know, they had a great set of episodes here, and they just sort of left it kind of hanging. You know, you wanted to really see and learn more by the end of them. At least that's the way I felt uh, after I saw them. And and just lots of uh, fun things to see, uh, lots of great opportunities by the, for the actors to have a lot of fun, and, and maybe a little over-the-top fun for uh, Scott Bakula. But, you know, how do you play nasty, crazy evil? I don't know how you do it. I mean, maybe it's okay, maybe not. I don't know. There was just a couple parts where he just... It just seemed a little bit almost funny, and I don't think that's the what you should be seeing or thinking. But overall, these are tops on my list. They have been voted. Uh, there was a 40th anniversary poll somebody did. I don't know if it was the TV Guide one or a different one that put these in the you know in the very top from Enterprise uh, for people from the fans voting. The uh, there was a an Emmy nomination for hairstyling for this set of episodes. They were very well reviewed by critics. Uh, they they just really pulled out all the stops, and it was kind of fun. These were in the you know mid to end of season four, and uh, they kind of got a chance to do some really cool things here. So uh, that's it. I I enjoyed them, love these episodes, and I hope you uh, enjoyed me talking about them for a while here. Uh, this podcast is going a little longer, but a two-parter is kind of a bit like that and a little more to cover. We do have now a song, though, from Mr. Moyer, Rick Moyer, up with a song about the Mirror Universe. And I'll be back uh, right after that and wrap up the show for this week. Hey, Rico, this is Rick Moyer from Aberdeen, Washington. Thanks so much for doing Treks and Sci-Fi. Great podcast. Love every minute of it. Really excited that you're doing uh, a review of the uh, Mirror Universe episode of Enterprise. And uh, I just thought I'd write a little tribute to the Mirror Universe. I like every one of those episodes of every type of Trek incarnation. I think the only ones that didn't really do something for the Mirror Universe was Next Generation, which would have been cool to see evil Picard. <laughs> anyway, um, I thought I would do a little tribute. Instead of It's a, it's a Wonderful World, I thought I would do a, a song called It's the Mirror Universe. So here you go. Thanks, Rico. Have fun. 
I see stars that shine and evil too. Spark with a beer and an intendant too. And I think to myself, it's a mere universe. I see Captain Forrest with Hoshi in bed, Archer advancing, wanting him dead. And I think to myself, it's the mere universe. The chamber of torture, so horrid and grand. Cochrane killing Vulcans instead of saluting with his hand. I see duplicates doing things they never would do. Really saying, I hate you. Jennifer cried. I watched Jake go along. I see Sue get annoyed and Uhura's knife and song. And I think to myself, it's the mere universe. Yeah, I think to myself It's the mere Wow, wow, just just wow. <laughs> that was great, Rick. Uh really love that one a lot. Uh just just perfect. Really fit well. The 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 words and your uh, your Louis Armstrong is pretty darn good. So uh, thanks very much for that. And please, everyone, go over to Rick's uh, parody page. I will try to put a uh, link directly to that on the podcast notes for this week. Uh, it's uh, a lot of fun. He's got all his music up there too. So uh, we're gonna wrap things up. I'm just gonna go right into it. No collectible talk this week. Uh, no time and. I just want to finish off the episode or the podcast, whatever I'm talking about. I don't know anymore. Uh, i got to get some lunch. Anyway, uh, I thank everyone, as always, for downloading the podcast. I enjoy uh, your feedback. Please write uh, treksf at gmail.com. Let me know what you're thinking and what you've been seeing lately and all of that. Next week, we are going to do another kind of a special treat for you. I'm going to look at Stargate, Stargate SG-1, and Stargate Atlantis with a special guest. Uh, So that should be a lot of fun. That will be next week's podcast. So until then, everyone, hey, take care. I hope you're not getting too wet and rained on wherever you happen to be. And I will talk to you again next time. Bye-bye for this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. Hey, oh, go over to iTunes and put up a little review for me. That'd be great. Bye-bye for now, everyone. You've been listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Your weekly dose of geeky goodness and sci-fi entertainment news. This podcast copyright 2008. Rico Dunn.